0: What you're about to hear is a talkback for Episode 4 of Streams and Variations. If you haven't heard Episode 4 yet, please check that out first, as we will be discussing the stories and songs from that episode, and how they all fit together. If you like what you hear, please subscribe and tell your friends about us. Otherwise, let's get to it.
1: Welcome to Streams and Variation Talk, back for episode four. My name is Jamie Johnson, and I'm the host of uh, Streams and Variations. I'm joined today by the co-producer of the podcast, Mr. Sean Erker, playwright, actor Genevieve Adam, and singer-songwriter Graydon James of the Young Novelists. Thanks for coming here, guys. Hello. Hello. Hey. Thanks for having us. Before we get into looking at the, the story and stories and songs of, of this particular episode, um, last time we talked a little bit about being stuck in place with people around us all the time as writers and uh, because a lot of the writers that I know, uh, write in isolation. I do myself. I try to get away from everybody as much as possible, but that also leads to a little problem. I'm feeling lonely. <laughs> How are you feeling? You're dealing with all of these things right now.
2: Um, I, well, the thing I I don't talk about this very much just because I feel very lucky and uh and I don't want to um highlight this for anybody who's ha- having issues but I'm sort of built for this kind of thing. Um I was even joking about it with I live with my wife and my son, so I I do have some people that I can spend time with, which is really lovely. And people that I love and, and and like too. That's one of the things that's you know loving somebody is great. Liking somebody is different and it's harder to like somebody all the time, even if you love them. Um, But I do like the people that I live with, which is really lovely. And, uh, but, you know, just talking with Laura, my wife about the fact that like, I've been cutting my own hair for like 15 years. I just, I, nobody, I've never met a barber who cuts my hair the way that I like. uh, So I just cut it myself. And so like, that's just one aspect of the way that I'm sort of, built myself a quarantine yeah. existence
0: you're a survivalist you're you're like that person who's been waiting their whole life for this you're just like it finally came yeah
2: <laughs> so i feel very lucky but i you know i don't want to uh to i don't know necessarily promote that vibe just because it it is tough for people i i don't mean to make light of it at all it's it's a it's a rough time for lots of folks so so yeah i'm doing okay though <laughs> <laughs> that's great genevieve
3: uh i'm not cutting my own hair but uh (laughs) i admire i admire those uh, those pioneer skills uh i uh i have too many people in my house i mean they're all nice and all but uh, i have two children and a partner who's also working from home and this cat uh who's behind me right now who's basie purrs may may make it onto this recording so i mean i i'm almost thinking like If we could, if only we could swap places, you could run into the street. I also could run into the street with my children, hand them to you. Then I could run home (laughs) for some (laughs) alone time. Um, It's, it's very, I mean, I'll give them to anybody at this point, but no, they're going back to school next week. So all is well, all is well. But I, my challenge has been around writing for sure, because normally, you know, I am a lot more alone in an, in an alone type house. And that's when the writing happens. So this has definitely been, challenging time in terms of getting any work done. But, you know, it could be a lot worse. Worse things happen at sea. So, uh, just trying to roll with it, you know?
2: This is like we're all on a mission to Mars. We've all signed up in- inadvertently for a mission to Mars, and we're, like, halfway there. Yeah,
3: yeah. Is- yeah, we're not built for that. Yeah. <laughs> we're not, not built for that. Not at least. That.
0: At least after. We just, we just cleared the moon's orbit, so... Yeah.
3: <laughs> oh, man! Only...
1: Only the moon's orbit. Um, Okay, let's move on to our program right off the top here. Um, As I do with every program, we start our first person in um, this story format off with a prompt. Uh, The prompt of this particular uh, show was called The Door. Um, and it, uh, translated into the, uh, title for this episode and I'd like to thank Sean a lot for actually using that title because it, it's so appropriate to this whole stream of writing. It's, uh, it's not extremely explicit all the way through, but it really feels like the door is
0: the, is sort of the metaphor that runs through everything in this particular, uh, uh, writing stream i think it, it doesn't always happen that way but definitely the uh, prompt that you provided had a central metaphor that carried through pretty much every single piece that everyone latched onto. and in fact there's comments about that where everybody's just like that door metaphor oh my god it was just so powerful i had to continue it for those people
1: that care you can probably read it on our site soon when the actual uh when it when it's put up there it'll be part of the on the website with this the stream um. So the first piece that we're uh, going to talk about today is a song by uh, Mr. Mark Martar called "A Pause."
3: away it goes away Even the taste of your lips it goes away it goes away wishes worries slides and trips so
0: as I said I do have some comments but I will leave the uh, first impressions to perhaps Genevieve and Graydon if they have any things to say about this piece and how it started off and what they thought about where it uh, kind of sent the entire series
2: I uh I know Mark quite well. I've I've done a lot of recording and stuff with him. I play drums with him, um, and um, I like his songwriting quite a lot. So I mean, I'm I'm a little biased maybe, but I thought it was a a really beautiful number, and just there's a lot of exceptional imagery that that you can draw from. All this sort of like a lot of weather related imagery, which I I noticed it carried through the next couple of pieces. Um, yeah, it's just a, a really intriguing piece i really like it a really good, cool piece to draw you in for, off the top
3: i thought so too i mean i was really drawn in like the music really got me and then when the vocals came in that kind of tom Waitsy july talk you know really evocative voice i was like oh i'm, I'm hooked definitely yeah i would agree
1: He can be at times a person that writes more about experiences than being actually in the experience. And I felt like this time around in this particular song, he really grasped the inside of of the experience rather than looking at it from an outside view, which is something that we've talked about in this program before in terms of songwriting tends to stay towards the outside looking in at things rather than being on the inside looking out. Uh, great I
2: was just going to say, it's interesting you say that. I have a line that I wrote down in my notes here, saying, I love you from each corner of my heart, which uh, is a beautiful line, but it also like it implies that you're kind of caught in this room-shaped heart. That's what I had in my head when, when I hear that kind of line like
0: perhaps one
2: with a door
3: (gasps) oh see what see what he did there perhaps everybody
2: (laughs) (laughs) certainly speaks to the times as well but just like you're you know you're sort of caught in a space with this person and have a having this love uh in in each corner of your heart it's a it's a cool image for sure.
1: Yeah, I, I love the, the the one that actually got me. Uh, was the his his line something about a first snowfall to cover up all your little lies. Mm-hmm. Oh, I
2: have that uh-huh. one Yeah, too.
1: It, it's just a lovely image of you know because it's such a beautiful image that we that we all think about as a beautiful image that lovely d- snow drifting down. But the fact that he uses it to cover up all the little lies is just like, it's 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 a wonderfully twisted message if you want to call it that. But uh, the, you know the nice covering up the dirty underneath is is quite evocative. So one of
0: the the things that I I. I absolutely love about this piece. So he, he sends us, uh, this, this, this demo style recording. And when I listen to it, he has this, um, this car engine startup about halfway through as if this person is literally leaving, like in the song, like it's a music video and like, like slash is getting in his car to go (laughs) play a guitar solo and drive away (laughs) from this relationship. And, I I don't know if that was on purpose or an accident but whatever it was it's brilliant that it's timed perfectly and it's amazing and I asked him I was like do you want uh like are you going to re-record this and he was like no I was like uh do you want to add anything to it like you know any other instruments anything on top he was like no and I was like good okay cool we'll just go with this and it sounds good to me <laughs> Um uh yeah and so I I also have so I have some comments here from Mark and um as Genevieve mentioned, I feel a little uh, incapable of reading them from his first person, because I do not nearly have the Tom Waits gravitas
3: that he does. <laughs> does, he talk? does he talk that way, too? Oh, I imagine
0: he? he has to. <laughs> so uh, so what Mark says, and so he got the prompt from uh, Jamie about Jamie's monologue, The Door. And he says, so this monologue had the word pause throughout it. I realized that that was probably a cue for rather than a word said by... The narrator but a simple man like me sees that word enough times on a page and suddenly it becomes the title of the song there were a lot of great lines and imagery in that monologue Uh, with some heartfelt love and theft those images work their way into my song and so he has a few quotes here from that prompt monologue that he took Uh, I had my stuff in one bag it was never my place just yours walking down the street together hand in hand the first snowfall of the year in the front seat of the car in the darkness 120 miles later the phone rang So those were the thoughts in his head when he was writing this song. Those were the quotes that he took. And then he says, I wish I had taken the monologue and written a song completely out of left field. And by that, I mean, written a song about baseball. Maybe if I took another crack at it, I would swing for those fences. But unfortunately, I wasn't that clever. I also wish there was more mystery to my song, more room to wonder what it's about, more variations. But I'm sure it's as obvious to any listener as it is to me. It's not anything when I write it. It's just a page with some ink on it. It's just a made up memory. It becomes something when you listen to it or read it, when it blooms in the eye or ear of the beholder. Far be it from me to tell you what that something is, but whatever it is, it's yours to keep or discard." Yeah. And so that's what he says.
1: Actually, that's some quite lovely words from Mark. That's a little wordier than he normally is. I'm not
0: sure what to say. See, and I actually edited it down because there's a whole like page and a half of him talking about how not wordy he is. <laughs> so I just, I just skipped over that part.
3: It is, it's definitely not a new relationship, is it? I mean, these are not people who are in the first throes of uncomplicated love. There is definitely stuff behind them, right? There's some grit under all that fresh snow. Um, and maybe that's, I, I found it really relatable. You know, I just got right into it because of maybe that's where I'm at in my stage of pandemic relationships but you know they're definitely not you know two young kids they've they've been through some times.
1: what uh, what is that image you have the feel of the two old older people sitting on the porch looking at each other every once in a while and going god damn i wish i could just kill you <laughs> you know
3: that special special kind of love
1: <laughs> well it's it's love for a number of people
3: why don't you just die? No, I know it's true. Wake up every morning. Oh, you're still here. Oh, not dead. Either.
1: Oh, well, at least I have somebody to eat with today. Totally. Now, there's a
0: beauty sometimes in that kind of relationship. <laughs> not the best beauty in the world, but a beauty <laughs> nonetheless. And so continuing that the themes of that relationship, I think it takes us right into the next piece, which is the first monologue. And that's uh, Maddie McLean's please, piece, which is An Imperfect Storm.
3: Just... Let me know that this wasn't all for nothing. Just show me that in some small, stupid way I mattered. Or even if I didn't. That I was here and present in some way that made a difference. Or that I changed something in you for the better. Because we fight. And we fight and we fight and now... Do we just give up?
0: So I, uh, I'm i going to throw this to you, Jamie, because you, you usually don't start these off. What were your thoughts on this and where this led from uh, Mark's song? The
1: writing was really, for me, was about that particular character trying to decide whether she was in or out at the same time as she was... In or out of the other relationship. Do you know what I mean? Like she was in and out out of the relationship inside herself as well as the physical relationship outside of herself. And I thought it was very interesting that almost more than half of the the observations that she makes could be or are internal and external at the same time.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She's Like she's talking to herself
1: in a lot of ways. And, 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 And I find that very very interesting since Marx was um, all about that first person. I am telling you what's going on now with me. And the other one is like, oh, I'm still exploring the boundaries of what we are to each other at the same time as exploring what the boundaries are within myself. That was a very
0: interesting piece. I thought there was some great imagery in that one too. Playing off what you're saying there about how uh, half the time it does feel like she's having this argument with herself maybe rather even than the other person, Um, there's a moment in the piece, it's about two-thirds of the way through, where she says, you know, am I just talking to myself? Like, it literally just becomes explicit, where she says, is there even anybody else here? Is this just me talking to myself? So I thought that was quite interesting.
3: I I almost felt like she wanted so badly the other person to just beg her to stay. Like, she's just Mm -hmm. waiting for that, you know, and it just got, it, it didn't happen. So it just got more and more excruciating and, and I got more and more of a sense of who this other person was, which was quite a fun trick of the writing as it became less about her. And I started really like thinking who the heck is this other person just sitting there stonewalling just like, and then I thought maybe there isn't even anybody, maybe this lover is long gone. And she's just, you know, who knows? So it, it became, it was, it was, it was sort of painful, like emotionally. I was like, Oh God. Like, she's like, I'm going to go you what I'm doing it. don't ask me to start stay. Cause I might No, I mean, I'm leaving. It was, it, it it really got to me. It really made me feel like, Oh, ouch. And one of of
0: the fun, fun parts about that is that, um, and this is going to eventually be a compliment, even if it may (laughs) may not start out that way. But, uh, (laughs) when I was going, cause I had to listen to the piece a few different times. Because I'm editing it and putting music on and all this kind of stuff. So I'm listening to the piece. And there were times when it kind of feels like it's going over the same material a few times, mm-hmm. you know? And it's it's kind of, you know, and I was like, yeah. And I was like, did I already listen to this part? Am I accidentally editing this part twice? And I had to go back and double check. And the thing is, once you go through the whole thing, it's, it's amazing but because that length really becomes part of the story because mm-hmm. just like you're saying Genevieve this character doesn't w- wants them to say something and so the repetitive nature and the fact that it's it's a bit longer than it needs to be is itself part of what the story is trying to get across which is you know it's it's this showing not telling in an audit audible format and it's it's great it's it's amazing writing
2: there is I was caught in the deep mystery of who is she talking to and that like you, you were saying, like it—it it really does become about because it's never explicitly said, and uh, it's just hinted at so many different times in different ways. It's almost like it—it it could be a bunch of different things. In fact, at one point, um, I, I thought maybe this is somebody talking to their pet <laughs> and <Right? laughs> getting nothing back from like a, an aloof cat or something like that. So there's like, I—I I wrote down some things of just roll over and let me yeah. in. Like, like who do you, who do you say just roll over to? Who, it's like, is this person maybe just asleep right now? Like, is it a dog that you're like, just roll over and like, let me cuddle with you. I don't know. Or something. I also loved some of the, uh, the language. I mean, a very beautiful language. I love the line. I'll be gone on a gust. That's a, a, a beautiful alliteration in there. Just a little moment. And all the weather imagery Sort of carrying from Mark's piece into this piece. Um, that, that kind of stuff I, I, I love a lot. There's a lot of beautiful analogies that you can make with, with weather and relationships. Um, especially with this kind of relationship where it's, it feels very one sided. <laughs>
1: Yeah, the Stormy. Somebody's blowing and somebody's not, you know what I mean? I'm sorry, that was not meant to be that way, sorry.
0: For, for yeah. give, forgive me the double entendre already this afternoon. Mark Martyr is not the only one who can make puns, all right? Yeah, that's right. The, the other thing that really took me about, about Maddie's piece
1: uh, was the fact that we didn't actually have an absolute understanding of who this person was. I think that's one of the more intriguing things about, about writing sometimes is not to absolutely understand exactly who the person is. We have to fight our way inside this person to figure out what it's like. Sometimes it's it's much better to let your mind fill in all of those things that you would normally expect. And and that, that breadth of character then becomes yours and your contribution to the story itself. I think that's a wonderful way to go. And the other thing that I really liked about this one is that it really is a continuation of the Mark story. The Mark story is, is very explicit about what it is. And now there's, this is the explanation of it is that person trying to explain why this is going on to themselves. And I think the, the, the one of the words that, that I've used a lot in this program is the, the, the landscape of the particular piece is to me the same, because I'm filling in with my own prejudices, my own ideas. So the two pieces are basically the same world to me. Mm-hmm. And, and I
0: really, really like that idea. And that projection that you're talking about is important because um, one of the things about this particular monologue that uh, distinguishes it from a lot of the other ones that we've got so far is that this one was very... Uh, it was gender neutral on both sides of the relationship. Um, I think... What we've seen, uh, Barb brought this up in one of the previous talkbacks. But uh, when we have some, when we have a monologue written by a man, oftentimes it's very clear that this person is a man. <laughs> and if we have a monologue written by a woman, it's very clear that this person is a woman. Uh, and because people are putting themselves into their writing, you know that there's, that makes sense. Uh, Maddie's was extremely neutral. When we read it, we were like, we cannot have. I, I have no idea whether this person's a man or a woman, whether the person in the relationship is a man or a woman, or neither, or anything about that. It is just a person mm-hmm. who is in a relationship. And this is kind of like this abstract concept of love and relationship, which is, you know, it's great because then it, it does allow you to project so much onto it. And it can kind of be anything.
2: It could almost be is, uh, a, a person having a relationship with the idea of relationships, you know, or... Or like a future relationship and it kind of has a metaphysical sense to it um i was i wrote a thing here i mean it starts or fairly early on there's a line this small little portal to the outside world is all that separates me from you so it could be that you know this is something that's just entirely outside of their their current experience or whatever but that something that they're imagining thinking of what have you
0: here's what maddie said he says um sometimes you see an image in your brain." And go with it in the song there was an image of a door and what what and that's what stood out to me the most a door can be many things but it is always a figure of change a gateway to new things or a barrier that prevents us from going to new places for me the door was a reminder of that dark place that can often feel like most m- most feel like a prison the feeling of being stuck in a world that is neither comfortable or reckless there's a song called Ten Steps by Merritt Larson, which someone debates leaving their lover in such a chipper and lighthearted way, and this journal was in no way that. I think every relationship is fraught with these moments, those moments of do I stay or go, A relationship is just how many of these moments can you say I'll, I'll stay in. There's a lot to be said about that place. It's ultimately that low feeling of desperately trying to cling to something, anything that makes you feel the struggle is worthwhile. Something to justify the shit you went through to get there in the first place. I always try to be optimistic in my pieces and in many ways this piece is ultimately an optimistic one a piece in which someone is desperately hoping that they will be relevant and can you continue to be so A hope that the relationship will ultimately survive but the door and that choice is there and it stands like a monument in that last second you think they get the answer and if they don't are they going to leave so it's intent it's leaving the question open at the end i mean obviously we came to the conclusion that she definitely doesn't want to go but does she? Because I, I don't know. I don't think she's getting an answer <laughs> based on how that went.
1: So let's slide on to our next piece um, by James King called Heart Hurricane.
0: Our own We're a hot hurricane raging together, being
1: blown insane by our winds
0: of sorrow. A hot hurricane, chaos in motion in the howling rain Our
2: storms
3: oh boy this was a, a wild ride uh oh boy this was like 80s synth there was big hair remember those weird cartoon videos that there were for like 80s music videos of like uh you know wolves and dragons and like She-Ra type princesses like that's that's I was getting all that with this wild
0: oh I have the power style
3: totally like I was getting all that goodness with this amazing tune which which very much surprised me (laughs) I was not anticipating that coming off of this monologue
1: yeah but it flows kind of nicely though uh, it, just in terms of it, it does. yeah, it does. It, it's, it's the imagery, hurricane. the way it feels, yeah. the relationship that they're both in. Uh, he's just taken it again to a concrete form rather than a form that's kind of open ended.
3: Oh, it was great. They don't make them like that anymore. Well, although they do, James James King makes them. James like King
2: that. makes them like that. <laughs> I think a lot of it. I mean, the the commitment, like his choice to to go that direction with it. And maybe that's just, I don't know James very well. So I, I don't know if that's a lot of what his music sounds like, but you know, if you're going to go that way, you better go big because it doesn't make any sense to go small. Right. <laughs> that's a hell of a catchy chorus, too. It's something yeah. that I've been going through my head, uh, repeatedly.
1: That, that, that hard hurricane came directly from Maddie's piece. It just, just made me kind of smile. It just made me go, oh, he's picked up on, on this lovely little image that was written by Maddie, and just said, I'm going to turn this into a power ballad like
0: you would not believe. Well, you only need one line. You only need one line for a hit song and that's it, you know. <laughs> and, that, you know, it, 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 that's, it for that's it. kind of the heart of it, I guess. The heart hurricane is that he, you know, he picks up on, he's like, "Yep, oh, that's the best line in the entire monologue. And I am. That's all I need to go to number one, baby. <laughs> <And> so,
1: <laughs> I mean, Nanny's line was a uh, hurricane of our hearts. He just switched around to hard hurricane and just let everything else hang loose. It was just absolutely wonderful.
0: You know, a little, I guess, background on the making of it. So James sent us a demo for this, uh, just him on the guitar, uh, and singing it. And it was already clearly a, an eighties rock ballad. Um, and so, uh, I, full disclosure, helped out a bit on the background of it, but you know, because we were talking about it, and he was like, uh, Oh, yeah, definitely, full 80s, full 80s, you know, glam rock guitar solos. And it's like, All right, we, if we're going full 80s, we are going full 80s. So we are doing <laughs> Phil Collins drums, we are doing yes! Sting in the Police with yes! bass and, and, you know, uh, uh, ska upstroke echo guitars, we are putting. <gasps> Reverb on every, everything, and you are going to echo down the hallway, my friend, when you sing these vocals. And so uh, he comes over uh, to record this thing, and he has the biggest voice. Like you would just, you would never believe. James, he's such an amazing singer. And he's just belting this thing out, and he's nailing it. I'm pretty sure that was one take. I'm pretty sure that was the first take where he's nailing these notes. And he was just like, How is that? And I'm like, I guess we're done. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we're done, Freddie Mercury. Go home. James is also a, a musical theater performer,
1: and he's played Hedwig. So I mean, oh heck! If, if somebody can nail that role, I mean that's incredible. This wow. is
2: I, I, I was going to say this is an example too, and a really great example, I think, of subject material and and the aesthetic of it really paying off with each other like it's about a storm it kind of musically it sounds like a storm honestly it sounds like a raging storm of music and those two things working together with his voice too it's just you know everything's pumping in the same direction it's really fantastic
0: so i have james's comments here so he says uh maddie's monologue struck me as very intense i was immediately thrown into the tumultuous world of this disintegrating couple it's like a final plea or a final tell-off moment it's an on-again, off-again, doomed affair that has finally reached its breaking point. And the metaphor of the storm is what struck with me, uh, stuck with me the most, specifically the line, The Hurricane of Our Hearts. The minute I read that, I instantly saw the song, Hurricane of Our Hearts, which became Heart Hurricane. It's a really cool and strong mental image, and it deeply helps solidify my vision for the song. There's also talk about walking out the door and the song and dance. That's ma- That made its way in there too, but I honestly didn't read it that many times. I wanted to take the overall feeling and impression it left on me when I first read it and try to translate it directly into music. I used that as a jumping off point and some personal experiences of mine kind of took over as in some ways, maybe not fully, it reminded me of some of my own past romantic entanglements. It's big, it's dramatic, it's the whirlwind of a couple in a fight. It sounded like it should be immortalized in a huge, wild 80s power rock song. What's more dramatic than that? Heart Hurricane as a title even sounds like a crazy 80s
2: song. It's wild. There is one more line that I thought was like, actually quite a subtle um, commentary on both relationships and the previous piece. There's a line about a broken record dance of like the record is skipping you're kind of going over the same part and imagine trying to dance to that or like that there is a dance to that, that, you know, you're caught in this groove over and over again. I thought that was really uh, a very interesting idea and I love that that lyric is in there.
1: Yeah. It's quite lovely. There's uh, some yeah, it's very well put together, complete package that, 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 sits within the realm of everything else that has come before it we haven't left Mm -hmm. this realm of broken relationships and uh, for lack of a better word fighting that that goes along with relationships not necessarily fighting in a bad way but fighting in a good way as well and until now until (laughs) now so it's i think it's going to be interesting to find out what sean thought uh, about the, the previous uh, piece that got him to the place where he is. But uh, this is a piece by uh, Sean Togood called Mike Summer. Where's the fucking
0: button? At? Oh, here, here it is. Record. Oh, I am recording. Okay. Alright. Here we go. Hey, it's um, Mike Oh, yeah delete okay record <clears throat> hi my name is mike summers i guess i'm ready to tell my story so again uh, i'll i'll let you three talk about it first before i i go to sean's own comments but um i don't Graydon, what were your thoughts on uh See, I'm just going clockwise. I keep starting with Graydon, but that's just because I'm looking at my screen. <laughs>
2: Genevieve, what do you think? Yeah, let's go with Genevieve.
3: I actually, uh, this piece was fascinating because for me, the the previous piece was all about the beautiful language and this piece, it was all about the things that weren't said. There were so many times when the narrator just was like, you know, when you're doing a, you know, like there was so much there yeah. and so... <laughs> I thought how fascinating that here's this guy writing this kind of confessional about being an addict and he can't even say the words addict pill that I'm like, oh, this does not bode well for your sobriety, my friend. But there was there were so many beautiful moments of that, you know, and I just couldn't when you're trying to. It was it was very evocative. And I thought, oh, how clever. Like they did that with absence of language. Very, very fun.
1: Yeah. I thought this was the most unornamental ornamental kind of writing that I've, I've heard in a long time. And yet it's the, the fascination is trying to understand where he's going because it just seems like he's just laying out all the things with no thought to it. And yet there is a line of thought going under there and I'm, I'm not sure what it is that was the one that got me Is that i was just mm-hmm. never sure what his point was going to be and then he 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 got to the end and the last thing he says is what or something
3: yeah <laughs> it's like he doesn't
1: even finish his thought when he gets to the end
2: he also he he contradicts himself a few times which i found so interesting too. it's very as i, I thought there was a, a lot of verite in this piece especially You know in the performance of it too like reading it on the page which is my first experience of it because it was what was a prompt for me um reading it on the page is one thing and then hearing somebody perform it clearly is you know they do other things with it that you didn't expect and i love the intro of it as being like i'm trying to figure out how to record this thing i'm supposed to be recording how do i start this thing you know which is not it's both like how do i begin telling you this story but also, how do I work this recording device? How do I start working this thing? Yeah. I love that.
0: And I think that, and the reason, the way that it starts that way, the way that he, he says, oh, it's already recording. And then because we're hearing that, by definition, he didn't even bother to edit it out.
3: Yeah. <laughs> well, to me, when I saw yes.
0: that that was part of the monologue. You know, there's so much backstory it implies. I mean, to me, it seems so obvious that this is part of a rehab program. He's being made to do Uh this. He was being made Uh to record his story. He doesn't really want to, but he's going through the motions because he knows he's trying to put in a good faith effort into this rehab program. But it's literally almost a bare minimum. He's not even going to edit out the false start. And that says so much. I, I thought it was brilliant.
2: I love, uh, Genevieve, you mentioned like this person seems to, that they can't even necessarily face the difficult things that they're talking about. And I noticed that as well. Just like they never name any of the, the, the drugs that they have been involved in their life. They never say specifically, um, which is, yeah, problematic that, and you see it, you see it playing out as like kind of, recognizing in himself like i'm not necessarily doing my best job here like i know i got to talk about this but like you sense a little bit of um i don't know what to say not regret necessarily but just like i got to do this again and do it better perhaps
1: yeah there's also the fact that one of the lines in there is he the the character actually says i put myself in this situ- in the situation that i was in like he has an admission, and he admits that he's part of the problem. It's just that he doesn't seem to recognize the the, the fullness of the problem. He sees it as just that thing. Well, I you know I put myself in that situation because that's you know that's what I do because of the people I was around and everything else. But I don't want to admit to myself that 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 there's much more of a problem that I'm talking about. Um. Yeah. What's the other big line in there? I can't tell you how many times I wish there was like a reset button or some shit. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, he says, I, I'd like to take it all back, but I can't. It's the way it is. And I'm not sure where I'm going with it. And I'm not sure if I can get there. And I'm not sure if I really want to get there. You know, it's it it's really interesting. It's an admission, especially the fact that on almost every time when this particular character says something that could be considered profound, that could be considered concrete. He always ends it up with the same thing where he says something like or some shit or other things or, you know, because every mm-hmm. time he gets to that point of, of of having a finality to a thought and then he just loses it again. It just
0: goes away because he 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 defers to his own brain crap. And I think yeah, and I think part of that uh, it's certainly a character trait, and it's it's part of the the the, the content that the character's talking about. And uh, I think it's also just uh, reflects Sean's way of language about crafting language that is natural for people. Like this is a younger character, uh, you know, he's talking about school, he's talking about his parents. He's obviously an older teenager, maybe. Maybe a younger teenager. I don't know. We I don't think we get his exact age, um, and you know, there's a, it's it feels like a teenager talking. Like the language has that sense of distancing themselves from the, the points they're trying to make, a lack of confidence in their own thoughts. It's 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 like language. Well, you know, like mm-hmm. it's, you're you're creating a simile distance between yourself and the point you're trying to make, or you you make a point and then you say or something, you know i'm not sure it's wibbly wobbly mm-hmm. timey
2: wimey language yeah, it's a a good way of a good mm-hmm. way of protecting yourself to mm-hmm. from any other from any criticism or something of, or you know or something yeah, whatever. exactly
0: i was about to criticize you for that dumb point Graydon, but then you said or something and so i backed off a bit yeah
3: <laughs> yeah see he doesn't really mean it it's fine and all well, that uh there's well, i don't i guess hey okay. <laughs> um all that's all that silence about Mm -hmm. his mom too like i think there's one line about his mom he's like it's weird between us now or Or something something. or something you know (laughs) um but there's there was so much silence around that and i really was like what what happened what exactly happened like why like you know what and he and again he totally like he he dipped in and then just totally pulled back from it again which would be so great to see in performance right like Kind of gleaning in and then being like, "Scary, scary, no, no, no."
0: And uh, you know, Graydon already mentioned this, but I, I also just have to uh, give a shout out to uh, Eric's performance on this. I
3: love Eric
0: because, yeah, the monologue the the monologue is full of ellipses. Sean had a lot of ellipses in there, and Eric somehow gave meaning to all of them. It, you know, everyone. It's great stuff. You know, he 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 turns all of those pauses into something that you can read miles into. uh, And it's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic.
1: Um, So what did Sean actually say about the. uh, So uh, in keeping
0: with um, the the sparseness uh, of some of the language of his piece, he he had a short answer, but it's a good answer. It's a very interesting answer. So he says, uh, for me, what really stood out was the title harder heart hurricane. It evoked getting easily swept up in addiction. Also, there's an image of a mountain in there, and often addiction can be like climbing a mountain towards sobriety. Love and addiction sometimes have a lot in common, especially early in a relationship. And like a hurricane, they can both be destructive. So I went with that. I hope that's enough. That's more than enough. Or something. (laughs) (laughs) Or something. (laughs)
1: So basically he's 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 just switched the relationship to another addiction in this case if you want to call it that because a lot of times relationships are an addiction especially the 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 way that these characters are relating to each other um he's he's just turned it around into his little white pill which kind of brings us to um uh, a song written by a, a gentleman who's who's on the screen in front of me and his lovely partner um uh, the song Need You Like the First Time by the young novelists. First time, I need you like the first time.
0: So, what do you think about that song, Graydon?
2: Uh... It's decent or something. No. Um.
1: Um, well, I'm going to tell you something, uh, uh, Grayton. Um, that is probably the happiest song I've ever heard about addiction. Um, it, it, it thrilled me right from the very beginning. I felt like it was going to be a good, upbeat number, and, well didn't really work out that way, I don't think.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I have to agree. The first time I heard that, I I also thought I was like, fantastic. He took it in an entirely new direction, a real left turn. You know, I wonder where this is going. And, oh, no, it's just a happy version of addiction.
1: (laughs) Yeah, when you get back to that, that, that line, I don't know where to begin. It's just like, oh, oh, okay. You've been screwing with my mind right from the very beginning, you prick. So, Genevieve, what were
0: your thoughts on this song?
3: Well, boy, only when I was listening to the preceding monologue, when listening to this episode, did I go, oh, it's about drugs, that song. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, thought, I was like, "Ah, oh, curses, but that's okay. <laughs> and then, I, and then of course, immediately I totally understood it. I was like, yes, to me, it had a very kind of like you know, 60s, almost flower power sort of little vibe going on. You know, it's so wholesome and happy and colorful. And I'm like, oh, it's about drugs. That's so amazing. Um,
0: <laughs> you know, I I never even thought about it, but it is a lot like God to Get You Into My Life by Paul McCartney.
3: Yeah, yeah. I which just, is I just also
0: miss- about yeah, drugs. I just, I just missed yeah. drugs. But
3: I definitely got that, you know, there's this sort of happy sound. and something very dependent and and dark going on behind the scenes, which I loved. And, and I mean, the last line is just such like, oh, and then we're just left hanging there, which is really beautiful. Um, and having both voices in there too, you know, uh, this kind of duo of suffering and codependence, you know, and now I'm thinking, oh, one of them is the, the drug and one of them is the drug user. But of course, from from how I heard it, I was hearing, you know, relationship. um. But then, you know, not necessarily, because, of course, my piece gets into more relationship with yourself. So, you no, know, it was very, uh, it was very evocative for me right away, but just not in the way that you had intended <laughs> it. <laughs> Apparently. So there you Honestly, go. Honestly,
2: though, that, I think one of the, the jobs of a songwriter, probably any writer, I guess, is, you know, you're taking these sort of specific experiences and, and giving them some universal space so that anybody can kind of attach to them in some way. And, mm-hmm. and ultimately I was thinking, you know, a relationship as addiction, like that was a thought in my head about from from um, Sean's piece into this one. And um, the, the, there's a lot of joy in uh, writing a song that's happy about sad things. I mean, I write a lot of happy sounding songs about sad things. And I got that trick from Ben Folds. That's his, uh,
3: <laughs> yes. his
2: modus operandi is, you know, happy songs about sad things. And for some reason, that juxtaposition always is interesting to me. Um, and it always, I think there's a little knife twist of, with it. That, that's probably what I find interesting is that little like at the end, you know, you're like, Oh yeah, that, you know, I, cause music is so visceral. Music can kind of. Push you into an emotional space, uh, kind of against your will, right? You it'll it'll take you someplace, you know, because of the way that it sounds. And then if the lyrics are working against that in in a, in a different way, then I find that intriguing. So that's that's why I do that so many times. <laughs> and I did that with this with this song for sure. It was a real fun time to record. That's I'll, I'll say that because it's you know it's it is fun to add harmonies and layers and layers of stuff to Um, upbeat music.
0: And it is when uh, in Sean's piece uh, and especially the way that Eric performs it, you know, he talks about, you know, this little white pill of sunshine or it's blue pill or whatever color pill it was of sunshine that is just such a joy. And, to me, honestly, when you get to the ba
2: ba ba
0: ba ba I'm just like, oh, that's what it feels like. That's what that pill feels like. It's just bouncing harmonies. Yeah. I get it now. I also want to be a drug addict.
2: In, in my uh, thought too, this was like that character's, you know, the song that that is inside of them in a certain sense. Because I really did try to take as many little moments from that monologue and make them into lyrics in the song um so that it was it was totally feeding from from Sean's words into that into the lyrics of the song
1: that that just juxtaposition of happy and sad that you're talking about is is actually one of the 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 it's also one of the most wonderful things you you talk about creating it but it's one of the most wonderful things to to hear as well because you have to struggle through your understanding of the words and what you're being fed in terms of the construction of the music that 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 tonal music pushes something at you and then you're hearing something that's completely different and and you have to Make your mind work the way that you, Graydon James, want it to work rather than how I, Jamie Johnson,
0: wants it to work, you know? And, Jamie, uh, your mind is going to be blown when I explain to you what Puff the Magic Dragon is about.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Don't do it. Don't listen, Jamie. Jamie, it's about a dragon.
1: Um, Which brings us to the last piece of this stream. A little piece by uh, Genevieve Adam called The Cavalry Aren't Coming.
3: Members of the jury. (laughs) That's stupid. You sound stupid. What is this, law and fucking order? Get your shit together. Get your goddamn shit together. Members of the jury, you are being asked to make... It is your responsibility to make.
0: Now going clockwise, Graydon. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, fair. Uh, I. This is uh, such an interesting piece. In you, it's so internal, and you can hear this person, you know, obviously rehearsing these things to, you know, and it's a, a seems like a lawyer going over sort of closing arguments in a in a case. That's what it sounds like, at least uh not that it necessarily is that but you know it has a lot of those elements um i i'm curious to know if it if it is exactly that or if that's just sort of the the framework around which this character happens to be you know putting it if, if maybe she is actually the one who is the victim and she's putting it in this space almost as a way of like trying to deal with the trauma of it but um yeah there's so many you know, things like her offensive body of evidence—that's you know body of evidence using it in that context in this kind of um, in, in this kind of situation—is heartbreaking. It's so good. Um, yeah, I, I was uh, blown away by by the layers on this. It was great.
0: And so, Graydon, what did you think about this specifically coming from your song? Was it a surprise? Was it... uh, How how did you feel about that? And what did you think about that?
2: It it is a surprise, but there is also... There's a line, uh, justice would be easier if the monster looked the part. And so, in my mind, there was a little bit of a, like, oh, yeah, a happy-sounding song with sad lyrics. is like, if the monster looked the part, you know, it doesn't look the part in what I'm singing. Especially, like, I'm talking about, you know, you're looking at it as either a relationship or as a drug a little pill doesn't look like a monster and somebody that you love doesn't look like a monster either, but they can turn into those things, you know, if you're not careful uh, or if you haven't made a good choice or, you know, just because of who they might be. So there's a lot of, uh, analogies or, or like similarities, parallels, I guess, going along with those things.
1: Um, I have the distinct pleasure of, of, Reading these pieces long before anybody else ever gets to hear them, and thinking about who the people are that I can get to to make these pieces come alive, and uh, thankfully I found um, Anne Van Leeuwen to to give this piece the justice I think it deserves. I I think there there's. The thing that gets me between what you wrote, Graydon, and what Genevieve wrote is there is a cry of anguish deep in the in, in your song, Graydon. There is a cry of anguish and a cry of pain. And he's trying to, or that character, I'm sorry, I did, didn't mean to call it. A he um, is trying to get out. And I love the ferocity and in the, in the language when she gets to that, that third section um it's it's uh, to me it's an emotional moving piece that just destroys me every time i listen to it so i i thank you profoundly it was just wonderful i
2: was just gonna say it builds up so much it 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 goes from this sort of tentative like oh what am i what should i be doing saying this should i be saying that all the way up to you know the the height of the emotional reaction that this person is having to the situation and i love that 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 ramp is so amazing to to, to listen to,
0: I really just want to at this point know what Genevieve has to say because I am dying to know how uh the young novelist's song transformed into this subject matter um because I found it it's a a fascinating turn right at the end and it's 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 such a powerful piece and it and it one of my favorite parts about this is when we get these left hand turns uh, uh in these episodes where uh things go in a totally new direction and this one it happens right at the end and it it it's it feels like it, it's it's from an entirely separate piece as if it's like you know as if our actual final piece sucked and we're like we got to get something good we pulled in like <laughs> the best thing from like episode 8 and like pulled it forward and we were like we need something good to end it we can't end on this crappy piece and so I, I just, I love it so much, but how did you get to it?
3: I love it as if you're like, man, they just stormed the Capitol. We're going to have to come up with something way, way deeper guys. At <laughs> this moment, um, You know what it was for me? It was really the, you know, I need you like the first time. And for, for this character, it's like, she's not the person she used to be when she was younger. Her convictions are not as clear. She's not doing her job as well you know, the case is never used to get to her. This case is really getting to her in a way that she cannot do her job. Like there she is doing crappy law and order law speak. Like, where's the job? But she's like, this is garbage. What is even happening? And there's another beautiful line in the song, you know, it talks about, you'll understand this kid when you get older. And so she's like, come on, kid, like, I need you. Where's where is that youthful me who who was strong and who just took it on the chin and kept going? And she doesn't have that you know, and she's like, get it together, kid. Come on, get it together. And she just can't. And she doesn't even know if she should. She doesn't even know if she should, you know, because what good is it going to do ultimately?
0: She's trying to recapture whatever... The legal profession has been de deromanticized for her from the facts of what is in front of her. That it has laid bare that justice isn't equal, that justice doesn't always come, that the cavalry aren't coming. There isn't a happy ending sometimes, and it's not fair. And uh, she, I think, fully expects, despite perhaps the upturned smile at the end, I think she fully expects to lose this case and is dealing with that preemptively about how much that is impacting her opinion of the legal profession and her own job. And she is trying to desperately recapture whatever brought her into this in the first place, whatever, uh, noble ideas she had, whatever, you know, naive concepts that the bad guys go to jail and the good guys win that she has to believe in that just a little bit longer to get through this closing argument, because at that moment she doesn't, and she doesn't know how she's going to actually complete this phony, useless, and indescribably depressing closing argument that will lead to an injustice, probably.
3: Yeah, and and that's kind of her first level of being really disillusioned with her job that she's done for all these years. And then, you know, it dips into personal. She's like, well, what even happens if we win? You know, he'll go and get a Book deal in a podcast and you get to lose your yeah. job and never get hired again and then you get to see him on tv and be traumatized you know in front of your kids so and that's clearly like you know you're supposed to understand that she's been through similar and uh it's 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 very funny like when people heard the podcast they all called me they're like are you okay did, did this happen and I'm like guys you can make things up when you write stuff it's okay but yeah like close friends were like what is what is this incident Were you a lawyer sometime and you didn't tell us? Um, (laughs) But I mean, certainly, you know, thankfully, I haven't been through this exact experience, but just that feeling. I mean, we've seen it. We've all seen it so much in the news. And I'm sure like in the lives of people, we know that unfortunately, like you can do all the right things and even win the case. We
0: shouldn't do that Coen Brothers thing where we start every episode with this is a true story. (laughs) Only the names have been changed and everything else is exactly the way it was. That, oh, I'm starting to think that was a bad idea, that we, we should rethink that. I was going to say this earlier as a bad joke, uh, but that going from Heart Hurricane to uh, Mike Summers, uh, to me, the most logical explanation for that is that, oh, 80s glam metal. Somebody's going to need some rehab, you know? <laughs> These people are probably all on drugs, and uh, you know it's gonna, there's going to be a crash. So let's let's write about that. So you have this idea of of the drug that is moving through these pieces, and then you take that metaphor at the very end, and your drug is just kind of naive hope. Like that is the drug that you need a shot of. That this character is like, I need a hit of of hope of of you know the romantic naivety of believing that you know things can work out and uh justice will actually come that's the hit that i need because you know after over time it's dulled and i'm not getting a hit from that anymore over time i go into the courtroom and i'm no longer you know awed by the majesty of the august profession I am, you know, weighed down by the burdens of everything I know about it. And I need I need that hit of what it was like the first time to get through this.
3: And, it, and I mean, that is the part that's reflective of my own experience during the pandemic of just really feeling like, I don't know who I am now. Where's the person who used to turn out plays and scripts? I, I seem to take care of babies now. And I don't know, like, who even cares what I write? So that's the real part of me being like, I need you. Where's the other you? I need that you. Swallow that drug, I'll chase
1: that. and I, I think that's what really this this entire stream was really about is it's, it's about characters who are battling with themselves. I mean it's a, it's a fairly straight line all the way through. Every single character that is in this stream is fighting against something inside of themselves or outside of themselves, but it's all personal battles that they're that they're trying to wage in, in, in a place where they're not really sure they have control so i I think that's it's quite wonderful and uh, thank you all i think that should be the end of what we're doing here unless anybody else has anything else they need to say
0: today yes okay so our next episode episode five will be coming out two weeks after this talkback uh if you'd like to contact us you can reach us at streams and variations podcast at gmail.com and you can also follow us at, at variationspod on Instagram and Twitter as well as Facebook. Um, if you would like to subscribe if you haven't already, we are at streamsandvariations.com where you can find more information about all the artists. You can download most of the songs and you can learn about uh, everything that we've got uh, going on with the podcast moving forward. So I hope you tune in next time and thanks so much.